0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 5 of the Abnormal Psych Student Podcast. This week we have Courtney, a fellow Monash psychology student who works as a consumer advocate for, for a child and youth mental health service, or KIMS, and she's here to talk to us about her lived experience. The topic of mental health and illness can be quite distressing for some, so if any of the content on this podcast makes you feel not quite right, please reach out to a mental health organisation like Lifeline, Beyond Blue, or for those between 12 and 25, contact Headspace. So Courtney, tell us a little bit more about yourself.
1: Hi, so I'm Courtney. I'm also a third year psych student at Monash, and I work as a consumer advocate for a child and youth mental health service at a hospital in Melbourne. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much most of it. I also, during high school, I was diagnosed with anxiety at around 13. And then that followed with major depressive disorder from around 15 to
0: 18. So how did your diagnosis affect your high school experience?
1: Uh, the anxiety was definitely affected my social abilities in early high school especially around that kind of 13 to 15 year old age point it can be quite challenging Mm -hmm. to feel those stresses during social situations Um, eventually when i reached vca going to regular high school just became too difficult and my attendance was abysmal so it was recommended that I either extend my high school by another year, so I do the three-year VC, or I could do online VC, so I chose to do that.
0: Yeah, cool. Um, So do you have any tips for people who are online schooling, especially doing it with a mental
1: illness at the moment? I think one of the biggest things I learned was you have to still take care of yourself just because you're doing online school that's not anything less than the taxes that is going to regular school there's it's nothing less than so you still need to have all those parameters in place to be able to take care of yourself and give yourself space to recover even though you're not physically leaving your house it can still feel as though you've left your house and you've gone out and done all that for the day. So I think things like taking really small breaks, like 15-minute breaks in between stuff, making your bed if you can. It's really helpful just opening your windows, trying to get some fresh air, light a candle if you've got it, anything that makes you feel good, just please continue to do even during this time.
0: Yeah, cool. That's a really good tip. Um, So you You said that you were um, working as a consumer advocate for KIMS. Um, So what is advocacy?
1: So advocacy, it's basically representing people. So in this instance, to do with mental health, a mental health advocate is representing the rights and needs of mental health consumers so a lot of advocates in the mental health space have their own lived experience meaning that they've had some form of experience with mental health as either a consumer or a carer for someone with mental health uh, issues so basically to be an advocate what you're doing is you're listening to people who are within the mental health services and then you're going and representing their needs at meetings and things like that to try and get the best positive outcomes for people. Yeah, cool. That's
0: some like crazy important work. Um, yeah. Yeah, I imagine that, it, you know, it's really re- rewarding, especially when you do see the outcomes that you've been pushing so hard to get
1: yeah I think one of the biggest issues that we've been dealing with over the past probably year and a bit was the issue of mobile phones because I work with uh, adolescents on an inpatient mental health unit so previously they weren't allowed to have their mobile phones at all on the unit for privacy and safety concerns so a big advocacy thing has been trying to navigate getting them some access to their mobile phones, but still ensuring that safety and privacy measures are met. So it's those sorts of things that um, advocates can be really helpful to kind of share their own experiences of what would and wouldn't have been helpful when they were going through that, as well as then to represent people who are going through it now to try and get the best outcome for them.
0: Yeah, cool. Um, So, can you tell us a little bit more about what KIMS is?
1: So, KIMS is a public health service. So, usually it's with uh, most of the hospitals in Victoria. And basically, it's child and young people mental health services. So, the particular hospital I work for, they have three separate wings to it. They have the outpatient services, the school, and the inpatient services. So the outpatient services are mainly just counselling and things like that for people. So that's kind of like the regular counselling that you'd be used to. It's working with social workers and things. The school actually has a number of different programs for children from primary school to high school ages that are sort of aimed at kids who maybe aren't getting to school as regularly uh, so it provides an alternative learning style to them I actually did one of the programs there when I was around 14 for a term and it was really useful It was kind of was a good bridge between not going to school and getting back to school uh, and then you have your inpatient services which is what you would consider like a psych unit. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. Um, so how do you access Kim's and their services?
1: So usually it would be through your GP. So you'll go and get a mental health plan. And one of the things they might recommend is trying to get on the wait list to have access to the outpatient services. So that would be in the counselling and things like that. As far as the inpatient services, that could either come through a recommendation from your psychologist or psychiatrist or your uh, like social worker. It could be any of those factors that could uh, recommend that as a treatment option. But yeah, usually talking to your GP is a really good starting point for accessing those services. Yeah, okay, cool.
0: Um, so on that note about talking to a GP, I know that a lot of people you know, have family GPs. Um, So if you're, you know, not yet an adult, so you're under 18, does your GP have any, like, are they required to let your parents know that you've had that conversation
1: with them? I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think, I don't know with the GPs, because I'm not it's different to a psychologist or a social worker so I'm not 100% sure on that but I think GPs are usually really good at navigating between parents and children when it comes to these sorts of things. I'm sure they will have had a lot of experience uh, trying to navigate those tricky situations with parents.
0: Yeah cool. Um, So you spoke a little bit about Inpatient and outpatient services. So, what are the main differences?
1: So, for an inpatient service, basically you're in there, you stay overnight. For outpatient services, it's really, it could be just like an hour where you go and see your social worker or your psychologist, or you partake in maybe like outpatient group therapy sessions and things like that. It's a lot less of a lower threshold to meet that criteria, to get those services. The inpatient, uh, you're usually there for an extended period of time, anywhere from 48 hours to a few weeks or a few months, depending on the circumstances. So basically you sleep there, you have your meals there, and you would usually go to the school adjacent to the hospital or depending, you might go to your regular school. So you still do have to have some form of schooling yeah. while you're there, if you're a minor. <laughs> that is a legal requirement from the government. Yeah, cool.
0: Um, so I guess a lot of people are gonna be wondering what is inpatient like psych services actually like? Is it anything you know, like how we see it in movies and other pop cultures?
1: very fortunately no no it is nothing like that so if you have never been on an inpatient unit no it first of all it's not all white it doesn't look like a hospital it purposely is usually designed to not look like a hospital it looks more like a classroom or something like that there is color to it there's stimulating things it's not just an all-white room so yeah those depictions I think are very uh, dated I think they more reflect maybe a 1960s style or 50s style asylum and that's very very different from what you would see today so don't don't be worried about that.
0: <laughs> yeah that's really I guess that's really helpful for people you know who might be needing to access these services but of- you know pretty damn scared about the fact that it's going to look like you know like that I think the the first thing yeah to mind for me is the um the portrayal from Riverdale of the of the psych services there it's very much like stark white it's you know no stimulus yeah so it's it's it I'm it's really reassuring yeah it's you know not like that at all (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think especially when you're a young person, it can feel really overwhelming if you are required to go into an inpatient unit to kind of feel like you have to leave your family and friends and all these things behind. But um, they do really try to make it as welcoming and as of an environment as possible. Yeah. Um, so what is your connection with Kim's? So I accessed the outpatient services from around 13 to 16. I utilised the counselling services. So I had a social worker for a few years. Uh, we had like regular appointments. And I also attended the uh, school for mm-hmm. a term. Yeah. So that was when I was around 14. And basically I wasn't going to school that much. Mm-hmm. I found it very overwhelming. I did not enjoy <laughs> um, So it was suggested by my social worker at the time that, hey, maybe you should give this program a try. And I'm really glad I did because it was, it was a really good and useful service um, that didn't reflect the usual schooling model at all.
0: Yeah, okay, cool. Um, so if you could tell people one thing about inpatient kims or kims in general to reduce stigma, what would that be?
1: Um I would say it's not like it's not like what has been depicted by the media. It's a lot more friendly and inviting and yeah, I would say it's okay to access those services. It doesn't reduce who you are at all. It doesn't take away from your achievements, your accomplishments, who you are as a person. It does not affect that at all to be able to reach out and say, hey, I would like some help. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, So
0: this sort of brings us to the end of our questions about um, Kim's and, and your advocacy work um mm-hmm. but we have a question that we've asked everybody so far in our podcast and that is what are your top three pre-covid and then top three during covid self-care activities
1: pre-covid would have been oh, self-care it would mean going to the gym <laughs> uh hanging out with friends
0: <laughs> yeah
1: and Uh, probably still going for walks I did really like that so now during COVID it's going for walks Uh, just even even if you don't feel like going for a walk just go and stand outside for five minutes if you can um I have two dogs so I'm kind of required to walk (laughs) uh I would say like try a new hobby it doesn't have to be anything major you don't have to be good at it but just try something new for me that's been baking bread and trying to make sourdough which has been a really fun experiment um and the third thing i would say is just have some breaks from social media and being online i think we're all spending rightfully so a lot of time trying to connect with people via zooms and messenger and things like that but i would say i think it's still healthy to have a break every now and then from that
0: yeah absolutely well those are some really good self-care tips and definitely a lot of people should take them on especially um Getting sort of detached from social media for a little bit every day. Um, yeah, it's something that we all need to Yeah, for sure. so much news and stuff at the moment that it's quite overwhelming at times.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, it's definitely true. Um, and I think especially if, if you're a student and you're being required to kind of sit and look at yourself, a zoom or a similar like video conferencing app, pretty much all day it can feel really just overwhelming yeah uh, it's just definitely. like whoa zoom fatigue <laughs> yeah and i think that's just completely understandable and normal and it's fine to be able to sit back and say look now nah, let's just shut the laptop for the night
0: yeah absolutely
1: all right, so this
0: brings us to the end of this week's episode. So thank you so much, Courtney, for joining us today. Um, it's okay. And thank you for having me. Yeah, it's all good. It's great to hear your experience um, and to learn a little bit more about, about Kim's and about inpatient facilities in general. Um, so just a reminder to all of those listening to reach out if any of today's content caused you any distress. And a few of the services that you can reach out to are Lifeline Beyond Blue, Or for those between 12 and 25 headspace and also as courtney mentioned before you can go and talk to your gp if at any time you're struggling so thank you all for listening and we will see you next week